everybody, to Why Did You Read That? The podcast. My name is Megan. And I'm Peter. And we come to you about once a month to talk about book stuff. Yeah, books and book stuff. Book stuff. We should do an episode on book stuff one time. What I do you ha- mean by book stuff apart from books? Well, specifically, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, I bought a thing that's intended for like gamers to eat flaming hot Cheetos, which is basically they're like these weird <laughs> chopsticks, but they attach to the sort of first segment of your fingers mm-hmm. first that emerges from the hand. Right. Um, so you can read and you don't get your fingers all messed up, but then you can also pick up snacks with them. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting um, greasy smears all over your books. Yeah. So if you like greasy snacks and stuff and you want to read this, is it, it's humiliating, but it's better than my previous idea for this. I had an invention for this before, which was basically a human dog bowl. <laughs> and you just put your face in it. <laughs> yeah. I think I prefer the, the glove-like pinchers. I think most people do. Yeah. But, you know, I had a bout of uh, chili cheese Frito eating while I was reading comics one time and was like, you know what? I'm at home by myself. <laughs> anyway. I mean, we've all done the thing like with popcorn where you just like stick your tongue out and it sticks to your tongue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it. I'm just cutting out the middleman of the hand yep. and just admitting to myself that I'm a monster. We've all had moments where we had no pride. Yeah. I also thought of like sort of, uh, you know, so like going to the movies in the COVID world I was like, I could just fill a mask with popcorn and then just eat it <laughs> as the movie comes. <laughs> the, uh, the, the horse, like, yeah, the, the, those the feedback. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> feedback. I like it. How large of an N95 thing has, some, has anyone ever made one that's like two feet long? Here's your, here's your invention. It's going to make you millions. The moviegoers. Uh, COVID safe popcorn delivery system. Just have little drawstrings on the side so you can keep pulling it up as you eat so you can reach it. Oh, yeah. Like it shrinks up. Exactly. Mashes it straight into your face. I'll take 5%, please. Yeah. This is a great idea. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. We talk about books and book things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We talked about um, going over our top 10 books of last year, of this last year, 2022. But we've honestly talked about most of them already on the show. Yeah, it turns out if you do a monthly podcast where you talk about books, you mostly end up talking about most of the good ones. It's true. I did. I was looking forward to talking about Jurassic War again, but oh. you know, was that would that really make your top ten? It was so so wild. <sighs> it probably would. Well, then I'm pleased to say that we're not going to do that. <laughs> Instead, we're going to talk about some of the books that we are most excited to read in the coming year. Stuff that hasn't been released yet, but will be in 2023 and that we're excited to read. That's right, Megan. I don't know. I'm trying to be... (laughs) Now I feel awkward. (laughs) Okay, maybe we should... uh, Yeah, we're going to do that. Maybe you should... um, you always start us off with a joke. It's true. That kind of gets the wheels going. Maybe that's what I need here. To... All right. I'm going to give you a choice. Okay. Would you like a furniture joke or a farming joke? Hmm. I'm going to go furniture joke. All right. Being the winter and all. Okay. Did you hear about the man who died drinking varnish? No. It was a terrible end, but a beautiful finish. Oh, no. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It is pretty bad, but I also like it. (laughs) All right. So there's our joke done. And so now um, we each have, I believe, 10 titles that we're excited about for next year. Yep. And I'll do one and then you'll do one and we'll we'll go through all 10 kind of briefly. Yeah. All right. And then we do have one crossover one that we we both did. And surprise, it's number one on my list. Oh, that's unfortunate. It's number two on mine. (laughs) Well, switch them around. Mine's in no particular order. Let's just both, yeah, we'll both talk about this one first and then move on. And then move on, yeah. Okay. All right, so the first title, uh, and again, I'm with you. They're not really in any kind of order. It just happened to show up first on my list. Uh, How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix, which you are obviously also excited for. 
Yeah. Grady Hendrix has written a bunch of mostly horror books. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of take like, I don't know, they are like different sort of skewed looks at sort of yeah. horror tropes, a I guess. off center. Yeah. Yeah. The first big one he had was Horror Store, mm -hmm. which was kind of like an Ikea. It looked like an Ikea catalog, mm -hmm. sort of, and was like a horror story that takes place in an... Yeah, like a haunted Ikea. Yeah. Kind of an idea. Yeah, not Ikea, but Ikea. Yeah. Had all those Scandinavian names and stuff. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, his, he wrote My Best Friend's Exorcism, which they turned into a movie. Mm -hmm. And I hear that they're turning the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires into a TV series. Uh -huh. So yeah, he's, he's on the up and up. And his new book, uh, I think, is probably going to do well because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it sounded like a pretty good premise. It's like uh, these two adult children of mm -hmm. other adults. They're... Their parents uh, were like living at home and it was sort of uh, the pandemic times and as things opened up a bit more, the parents are gone and they're like trying to sell the house. Yeah. Staying there together, like yeah. contentious sibling relationship, especially in stressful circumstances. Yeah. So it has like haunted house horror and also like emotional relationship stuff. Yeah. It was giving me a little bit of vibes of the movie The Visit. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. It's kind of awesome and kind of terrible. Okay. Um, I'm trying to decide if I should describe the worst part, but I think I'll leave that leave that out for now. But okay. it's like these kids who are, okay, They their mom is like a single parent, and these kids are going to go stay with their grandparents who they've never met. Because the mom is like a younger mom mm. and she left home because she was having a baby and that caused like a rift between right. her and her parents. So the kids are kind of getting shipped off to spend time with grandma and grandpa. Right. But things are, don't go well and they're not quite right. And mm. uh, they very quickly deteriorate <laughs> into a, a horror scenario. I was going to say, it is a horror movie. <laughs> yep. So. Not a huge surprise. It's pretty good. It's also, I think what's kind of great about it is the kids are like a little bit obnoxious. Mm -hmm. So you sort of don't mind that they're like in this perilous situation because <laughs> you're like, I'm not saying that I want something terrible to happen to every kid who's obnoxious. But you're like, this is better than like good hearted Charlie, you know, going and his his grandpa is like putting him in this terrible situation and you feel bad for the kid. It's a right. little more like, eh, this kid's kind of annoying. So, Hot take from Peter. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I feel like it was a good choice on the part of the filmmakers. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Anyway, it gives me some of those vibes, which is a, a thumbs up from me. Nice. I don't know how... Grady Hendrix might feel being compared to that, but I think he'd be okay with it. He seems like uh, he's down with all of the all of the levels of horror. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he wrote paperbacks from hell, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The cheese factor is very high. Yeah. All right. All so right. that's How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. Yes. Coming which... in 2023. Yeah, I actually made a note of when. It's uh, out in January, so you don't even have to wait long. That would have been a smart thing for me to do. Well, you know, I am the smart one. All mine are coming out sometime in 2023. <laughs> you know what? I'll put all of the dates in the show notes. And I think all these I found like on Goodreads and Amazon and stuff. So they probably shouldn't be too hard to, yeah. to figure out. Figure it out for yourself. I'll put the information in show notes. Or Megan will do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, you're up. Oh, okay. Uh, so my first one is a book called Greener Pastures by Chuck Palahniuk. Okay. Um, I don't actually know if the book is going to be called Greener Pastures. Here's the deal. Um, during the pandemic, he started a newsletter, like a subscription fee-based newsletter. And uh, what happened in the newsletter was some various things, but one of the things in it was he serialized a novel over 52 weeks. He broke it into 52 chapters. Okay. So you could read it all that way. 
Was he writing as he goes or was it finished and he broke it up? I think it was finished okay. and he broke it up. He may have made some alterations to break it up better. Right. I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing because I found trying to read it one piece per mm. week was like too difficult for me. Right. And then also I didn't know exactly how long some of them would be or how short they would be. Some of them were very short and digestible and some of them weren't. Okay. It's my suspicion that this was not originally meant to be released this way. Right. And he was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot, see what happens. But anyway, it's being released as a traditional novel now. Okay. Which is kind of great. Although I also, so I printed it and formatted it and was binding it myself. I'm currently in process on this. <laughs> of which course you are. It was a huge to-do because trying to print it in such a way that you could put it into what they call signatures in the book binding business was, what are they? In the UK, they'd call it a faff. A it faff. Was, yeah. It was very fiddly. <laughs> okay. And you know, it's the kind of thing where you're like in Adobe and then you say print and then you go over to the printer and you're like, this yeah. is not what you told me you were going to do. I hate that. Yeah. And so then finally I figured it out. And, but it still took me like another hour to print it because I was like, okay, I have to repeat these steps exactly so that I know right. this will come out right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, then he announced that it's going to just be printed as, you know, traditional novel and stuff. Okay. So I very got much... got professionals to do the work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not... He wasn't announcing that I was going to do it. Right. Which would be a mistake. It would also be a surprise, I think. It would be a... Yeah. I would random, be surprised random too. Random guy in Colorado is going to bind this book one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll probably take him the rest of his life yep. to make enough copies to satisfy, even if this is my worst selling book by far, <laughs> based on how long it took me to do the first one. <laughs> but anyway, I read probably the first third of it serialized and was really enjoying it. It's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. It's like a little bit of a, a departure and it's kind of this like, it's... I don't know, maybe I would describe it as like it follows these young people to a sort of Harry Potter-esque school, but for technology instead of for magic. And, mm. um, you know, it has a lot of the patented Chuck Palahniuk twists and turns and seems to have something to say about like current culture, but, you know, not not overly hitting you over the head with it. And mm -hmm. um, I just enjoy his books and his style and yeah. even the ones that I don't like as much, I still am walk away like, yeah, that was interesting. Right. You have something to think about. He did a thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that was the first one on my list. All right. Uh, my number two is Thornhedge by T. Kingfisher, which oh. is out in August. Uh, I think you'll find that most of these are authors that I tend to love. So surprise, surprise. Uh, I think that's the way it works for a lot of people. So uh, T. Kingfisher is an author who's quickly become a favorite of mine. Um, she, uh, I think it's, I think it's a she. I, I think, think so. it's Ursula Vernon. Yeah. Um, writes um, both horror, like The Hollow Places and What Moves the Dead, both of which I loved, and fantasy, like a book called Paladin's Grace that I read and quite enjoyed. Um, and so this one is more on the fantasy side of things. It's a fairy tale retelling, so it's a novella uh, inspired by Sleeping Beauty. And the main character is Toadling, <laughs> um, who From was stolen Mario by the movie. fairies. So she's a human who was stolen by the fairies. I think she was human. Um, I haven't read it yet, so obviously I'm piecing this together. Um, and grew up very happily among the fairies, but was sent back to the human world to offer a blessing to a new baby. And this would be the Sleeping Beauty baby. Um, and that blessing of protection ends up lasting for centuries um, there, with a castle wrapped in a barrier of thorns. Like this is very obviously some version of like Maleficent from the movie mm -hmm. um, and attracts a, a knight bent on ending the curse, which she is determined to keep going, um, but sees it as a blessing. So it's um, a novella. I think it's 130-ish pages. So it'll be a nice quick read, but I really enjoy T. Kingfisher and... Can't wait to get my hands on it. I also like a fairy tale retelling. Sounds pretty solid. Yeah. I can't blame the fairies for if they meet someone named Toadling thinking like, eh, this must be one of ours, right? <laughs> like, 
Kind of as the parents, they maybe set themselves up for... Well, you're assuming that the parents named her Toadling. I am. That's true. Maybe she had a different name. Yeah. Although, I don't know. Maybe she was like an obnoxious kid, like in that movie I just talked about, and they were like, eh, maybe we can trick some fairies into taking this kid away. <laughs> well, she is described as toad-shaped in uh, uh, what, the stuff that I read, so... What a flattering... Uh, yeah. Ugh. I would be so depressed if someone described me as toad-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the knight is like mild-mannered or, or sweet in some way. So hmm. lots of interesting twists and turns to this. I'm curious to see how it's going to go. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay. My next one is In the Lives of Puppets by T.J. Klune. Oh, I love T.J. Klune. As the house on the Cerulean Sea. Yes. At the Cerulean Sea. Oh, of the so Cerulean good. Sea. Feel good book of the year. Above the Cerulean Sea. House uh, in the Cerulean Sea. On the Cerulean Sea. House preposition the Cerulean Sea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is about a guy who lives in the woods with like uh, basically a robot family that he's put together. And then stuff happens. The guy is captured and he's taken back to the city. Uh, by other humans. So the robots kind of have to mount a rescue mission. Yeah. So it's a little bit like Incredible Journey, Brave Little Toaster, and robots rescuing a guy. Yeah. Um, you know, of their, their assembled family or whatever. So that's that's my jam. Yeah. Any any. Did you read House on the Cerulean Sea? No. Oh, so good. It's on my list. Yeah, so, so, so good. It was one of my favorites the year it was released. I don't remember when it was released, but... Yeah, it was on my list, and I just never got to it. You gotta get to it, man. It's but so I might do this one first, because it's got robots, and that's yeah. my thing. Yeah. Like, never... I'm so much more emotionally affected by robot characters. No circuit too short for me, <laughs> as I like to say. No wall too E. Do you know I've never seen The Iron Giant? Oh, Megan. I know. I hear that I'm I'm missing out and also that it will wreck me. It's great. Great movie. Okay. Iron Giant, 10 out of 10. Recommend. <laughs> yeah, if I'm at home and my partner is like, wants to see me ugly crying, I'm like, Iron Giant's a good uh, good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, it's, it's fine. You know, and I'm like, it's not fine. It's amazing. <laughs> it's about... Being who we want to be, not what anyone tells us we have to be. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to another story of robots rescuing somebody, probably being in a little more peril than I would prefer. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Well, I trust T.J. Klune to tell a heartwarming tale because yeah. the house in the Cerulean Sea could not have been more perfect for me. It's just always like for me, for some reason, I'm sensitive to like every pixar movie the stakes are like uh horrifying death mm. you know it's like oh the toy story toys are gonna go into a furnace or something and i'm like how come it always has to be death it can't just be like i don't know woody's having financial trouble or something like <laughs> no kid wants to worry about financial trouble i know but i i would buzz lightyear is worried that as a millennial he'll never afford a house <laughs> <laughs> something like that oh, okay you can't, the like, horrors of adulthood <laughs> yeah come on grady hendrix get on it <laughs> all right i like it that one is one that i was eyeing for my list but it ended up not making it so i'm glad you had it all right my next title is the haunting of alejandra by v castro mm -hmm. who is someone that i actually read for the first time this year in 2022 um the Queen of the Cicadas. Yeah, I think that was like two episodes ago or something like that. I think it was, yeah, our Halloween or October, episode, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's she's super good. Um, very scary, very body horror-y, um, all kind of steeped in Mexican folklore, um, which is exciting. I, I always like seeing new traditions of horror make it into my horror novels. Um, so this book is La Llorona. So it's kind of her take on La Llorona, which is the, the wailing woman, basically. So the main character is Alejandra, who is a wife and a mother and an adopted daughter. 
And she has started seeing a vision of a weeping woman in a white gown when she's under particular amount of like stress or having a, a very hard time. So she starts seeing a therapist and researching her birth mother and discovers that she comes from a long line of women who have been haunted by La Llorona. Uh, and now La Llorona is kind of after her. She kind of takes down all the women in her family. And so she's um, going head to head with La Llorona. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Ghost busting. I guess, If yeah. you will. Something. <laughs> Who are you going to call? I went on the search for La Llorona two years ago. Oh, yeah. I think I listened to... Yeah. yeah. I listened to you talk about that. Didn't find anybody. But it was in the middle of the day. Well, yeah. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know if she hangs out around in the middle of the day. I don't know much about La Llorona, to be honest. So It's kind of a weird story. Yeah. Yeah, it was, if I remember correctly, the story, you're sort of like set up to think like, oh, I feel bad for this ghost woman. And then you're like, eh, she took yeah. things a little too she far. drowned her kids or something, right? Yeah. To get back at her husband. Yeah. Who was unfaithful. Yeah. It's a little like Phantom of the Opera where you're like, well, I kind of feel bad for this guy because he's got like a horribly, you know, disfigured face or whatever. But then he like drops a chandelier on some lady who really did nothing to him. And then you're like, eh, I don't know. I'm not so much team phantom anymore. Like that's taking it a little far. I will always be team anyone who sings the music of the night. Mm, okay. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Okay. My next one is the ferryman by Justin Cronin. Oh, Justin Cronin. So Justin Cronin. People probably know from the passage. Didn't they turn that into something? I think they made it a show or a movie or something, yeah. but I don't know. It was okay. It was either great or terrible because I didn't really hear much about it, which either means that people watched it and it was pretty good, but you know, nobody talks about things that are pretty good mm -hmm. or it was just so unremarkable that no one made it past episode two or whatever. Right. I didn't personally like the passage very much, the Neither book. Neither did I. And I quit about halfway through. I read the whole thing. It was long. Yes. That was part of what prompted me to quit, because normally I wouldn't quit a book if I was 250 pages in, because I'd be like, I'm practically at the end. Right. But that was one where I was like, there's more left than I've read so far. Yeah. So I'm quitting. We but, should also say that we are in the minority. People loved that book. Yes. And I'm prepared <laughs> to admit that I may be wrong. Um, and so I guess I saw this one come up and was like, maybe I should give him another shot. Like maybe that one, because I think that's like a vampire thing. It is. And it's I'm like not... post-apocalyptic. Yeah. 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 Like one of those post-apocalyptic things where things are like sort of medieval again or something. And like, yeah, it's been a while Yeah, for me. I, yeah. I remember where I was when I quit that book. I was just like nuts to this. <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about it. Didn't I say like, it doesn't get any better. Let it go. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think, that I seems think we... very likely. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, now that we're done smack-talking yeah. his other book. Whoops. <laughs> the reason I wanted to try it, though, is like, is like, this one sounds intriguing. Okay. Also, I was like, you know, so many other people enjoyed the other one. I was like, I should give this one a shot. Now, it is long. It's 560 pages again. Oh. And I'm like, bro. Who's got the attention span? I know. Not you do, obviously. Uh, maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Um, so it's about this like island where people go to live and they have these, uh, uh, monitors installed in their arms. Okay. And basically it, you know, monitors their health and their vitality. I picture it sort of like the life bar on street fighter two or something. And it's like, <laughs> here's how you're doing. <laughs> okay. Um, and so what happens is once their monitor reads below 10%, they board a ferry and they're taken somewhere else and people don't really know hmm. what that is. And so the book mostly follows uh, the ferryman who okay. drives the ferry. And so some things happen with him, like he has to ferry his father across because his father's thing went below 10%. Hmm. And then like 
his number keeps like fluctuating kind of wildly and seems to be going down very rapidly. And also he's having dreams, which I guess isn't a thing that people are supposed to have. Hmm. So, you know, he starts questioning things and things fall apart. And like, that is a story set up I like a lot where you've got this sort of society or whatever and it's structured this certain way. Yeah. And then what the author does is push on it until it collapses. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I was a little nervous about, you know, when he's talking about dreaming. So I was like, are we going to have like a 20 page dream sequence in here? Because that's not cool. <laughs> I don't like that. It almost uh, sounds to me like maybe a more adult, sophisticated version of The Giver. Yeah. Or uh, Logan's Run. Okay. I don't, uh, I less... don't really know Logan's Run. But... Oh, it's sure. great. It's like if you, I think 50, when you turn 50, you're basically uh, eliminated because okay. you're, I don't know, not hot anymore or something. I'm not sure exactly what the idea was. You're too old. Yeah, you're too Be old. Be gone. We can just leave it at that. Because <laughs> I think, isn't that the one with Farrah Fawcett in it? I have no idea. And it was supposed to be like, she's not young and beautiful anymore. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she could come live in our area instead of Logan's Run Land and yeah. I think be just fine. There are lots of women in their like 60s and 70s that I think are still pretty gorgeous. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think that's like one of the major flaws of the Logan's Run system is I was like, going with a strict age yeah. is going to, you're going to throw a lot of babies out with that bathwater. <laughs> so. you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's The Ferryman by Justin Cronin. Excellent. <laughs> All right, I'm going to switch up the tone a little. My next one is Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute by Talia Hibbert, which is another one that's out in January, so not a huge late, um, wait for that one. So I added this one because I love Talia Hibbert and I will read anything she publishes. <laughs> but really, it's a hopeful placeholder for a series that she's working on called the Skybriar series of Jane Austen retellings, um, which is supposed to come out sometime in 2023, but there's very little information about it. Mm. So since there's information about this one, this one's on my list, but really I'm waiting with bated breath for the Skybriar books. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, this one is like a YA romance. Um, I don't read a whole lot of YA, but I do read a lot of Talia Hibbert. So <laughs> this one's on my list. Um, it's uh, the story of a clean-cut football player named Bradley, who's a good student. He has, I think, OCD. Um, and he is the ex-best friend of a conspiracy theory social media star <laughs> turned academic rival named Celine. <laughs> and so Celine signs up for a wilderness survival course. And then it turns out he has signed up for the same course, and they get partnered up. And so to succeed in this, you know, wilderness survival thing, they have to kind of come to terms with their past and it turns into a bit of a love story, mm. like a new kind of, of future. I got to be honest, when you're like clean cut football guy, I was like, eh, but then the other character, social media, conspiracy theorist, yep. celebrity, I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> you won me back over with that second character. Oh, she's so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never been let down by Italian Hibbert book, so... Yeah, because, like, clean-cut football guy, I was just like, hey. Snooze. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen that before. But then the other one, I was like, all right, never mind. She she does I that gotcha. a lot. She do pairs up, like, the, um, what is that movie with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon? The and Odd the Couple. Old Men. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She odd couples a lot, which I, I think is enjoyable. Well, I think it works, too, because, like... You know, at first I'm bored by a football player, clean cut guy, but then I'm like, well, okay, but you don't want to have social media theory, conspiracy theorist, and then like someone else who it's like, I don't know, weird eccentric woodworking teen or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's too much. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to learn about too many hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to maintain that tension. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my next one is called The Making of Another Major Motion Picture Masterpiece by Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. He wrote a book of short stories that got great reviews. Yeah, that's part of why he made the list. Because so celebrities occasionally will go into the world of writing books. Yeah. 
that seems less common now. It seems like most of them, when they do that, will write like... A children's book. A children's book yeah. or a memoir. Yeah. I remember I read a children's book like at the probably the peak of... You're famous, right? A children's book. <laughs> and it was by Madonna. Oh, I remember this. it was terrible. I was working in a bookstore at this time and we had so many copies of that book. I was like... Uh, listen, Madonna, I don't know if songwriting is your strength. Maybe you need to get that lady from Four Non Blondes to write the book for you. And then <laughs> you could just say it was you. You know, though, they say that those books, um, they finance a whole lot of other books. I know. I know. Because they sell a bunch of them. Yep. And then they're like, well, then we can have actual good books. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was just surprised because I was like, you know, a children's book. It's not like a ton of text. Yeah. And I was like. It has rhymes in it. And I was like, eh, that could be kind of songwriting-esque. And I was like, terrible. So terrible. Um, Tom Hanks is not in that terrible celebrity. Turns out he's kind of legit at yeah. like writing. That's what I've heard. He did a good job on his short story book. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I mean, I think it was like. Were they he, about typewriters? A bunch of them were, yeah. yeah. I and, know he's a big typewriter guy. Yes. Um <laughs> I think it was like, uh, if he wasn't Tom Hanks, it probably wouldn't have like set the literary world on fire, but like people would have enjoyed it. It would have a, f right. a following. This one actually sounds really interesting too. Okay. Um, so it's about, uh, it's a story that takes place over a pretty long timeline. So a soldier returned, a solder, I wrote, returns from World War II, a piece of solder turns from... <laughs> Made it through the war, <laughs> attached to a tank. <laughs> Against all odds. A soldier returns from World War II and meets his nephew. And the nephew's like five or something. Cut to the 70s. The nephew is like working, making underground comics and whatever. And uh, kind of interviews his uncle and creates these indie comics about his uncle's like war heroics. Man, and this stuff. is right up your alley. I know. It's like, this is so many things that... <laughs> It sounds very like uh, the creation of Mouse, kind of, mm -hmm. how that worked. Then um, it cuts to the present day, which is when, like, a major studio has picked up this indie comic to adapt into a movie. Okay. And so then there's, like, the, the movie cast is involved, and there's, like, a sort of difficult-to-work-with main star and, you know, some other people like that. Um, also, the way the book works is it's kind of like it has comic book interludes in the book. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So it kind of like tells some of those stories in actual comics in the book. So I kind of like that it's like it's a little experimental because it's sort of like a traditional novel. Then it's comics. And then it's also about movies at the same time. Yeah. I feel like this is Tom Hanks' wheelhouse because, like, all his Saving Private Ryan stuff yeah. probably informs a lot of how this movie is going to be he made. He obviously has a big film background. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. This could be pretty great and could be pretty interesting. And yeah. I do like, too, that it's kind of like a, an ambitious idea for yeah. a book because... If someone I knew personally, like, if I was in a writing group with someone and they were describing this book to me, I'd be like... How long is this going to be? Like 2,000 pages? This is a lot of yeah. story to tell in one book. So I like that he's going for it. Yeah. It seems like no shortage of he's, he's going to do a thing. Yeah. It's going to happen. And it will be either an ambitious failure or a success. And I'd prefer an ambitious failure to a ho-hum failure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we'll all still like him because he'll still be Tom Hanks. Yeah. At the end of the day, he'll yeah. still be Tom Hanks. Star of Big. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number five is Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood, which is out in June. So this is uh, the third rom-com by a science-focused new favorite romance writer. Um, she's become like a huge bestseller in the romance world. Like she's kind of one of the big new names. Uh, and she tends to write about STEM characters in academics, um, like colleges, universities, research institutions, that kind of thing. And she herself is a neuroscientist, so she has a good background in that. So it all rings very true, which is great. So this new book um, 
follows Elsie, who's a theoretical physicist. And she also is like a people pleaser. That's like a character trait. And since she doesn't make much money as an adjunct professor in theoretical physics, she has a side gig as a, a fake girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so she becomes like the perfect fake girlfriend for whatever situation you have going on. Like you need... Um, the, the person who you've been using as an excuse so that your parents don't set you up on blind dates to show up to a wedding, she'll be that person, ah, like, that okay. kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and so the older brother of her favorite client turns out to be uh, the one that she holds responsible for ruining the reputation of theoretical physics <laughs> and is also the head of the physics department at MIT, which is um, where her dream job is. So... It promises to be <laughs> wacky and funny, and I can't wait to read it. I've read both of her other books, um, and I'm looking forward to reading. She has all of these, like, between-the-book novellas or short stories. I'm looking forward to reading those. Um, she's super funny. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. That's just so awesome because it's so, like, niche as far yeah. as, okay, like, you've got mail, right? It's yeah. like. Uh, indie bookstore owner falls in love with like big chain bookstore owner like what are the odds and you're like yeah, okay but this is like theoretical <laughs> physics person who feels this other theoretical physics person is ruining theoretical oh, physics he's not the theoretical physics he's oh. an actual physicist who <laughs> talks smack about theoretical physics oh okay yeah and it's just something where, like, I could picture someone talking about this, and I'm just like, listen, you're going to have to not attempt to explain to me <laughs> what you disagree with this person on, because it's just going to be confusing. Well, that's the beauty of reading romance is, like, you know that all of her information is sound because she's a neuroscientist, but in the end, you can just be like, romance reasons. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's kind of like, if I was writing a romance, it would be like, you know... uh, this, you know, Instagram fitness influencer and she goes to the gym where she encounters her nemesis, which is a guy who pioneered the lower, the low bar squat versus the high bar squat. So they have arguments over, you know, the uh, proper squat technique. Yeah. And posterior chain and all this stuff. <laughs> And it's like, I, I just have, I don't, I could never do that. Like, I could never figure out how to write that in such a way that I'm like, okay, nobody cares about this. So how can I do it in a way that like shows that these characters care about it, but they don't actually talk <laughs> so much that people are like, oh, forget this. Like, I'm not reading that. Well, Allie Hazelwood has sold thousands and thousands of books doing exactly that. That's what I'm saying. I got to respect the game. Yeah. Like, some people could do it. <laughs> I am not those people, but somebody. Well, and her very first book was actually written as Raylo like inspired Raylo fanfic type book. What's so, Raylo? Um, it's uh, from Star Wars. Oh, Ray okay. and Kylo Ren. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shipping those two characters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was the love hypothesis. Okay. Which I quite enjoyed. And then uh, she did Love on the Brain, which was, I think we talked about on the podcast. That's a NASA one hmm. with a neuroscientist who, <laughs> who fainted a lot. <laughs> and now we get this one, Theoretical Physics. I like this. It's I good like stuff. This. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one is called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. Hmm. So Rick Rubin is a long, long time famed record producer. So And he's worked with, like, such a wide variety of people. Um, you know, like, he's worked with, like, a lot of the folks from the hip-hop boom, like Jay-Z and Eminem. And he can talk about, like, the differences between the two of them, like, how they do things and whatever. Mm -hmm. He works, he's worked with, like, a lot of rock bands and stuff you know and like system of a down and stuff like that so he's he's been all over the place mm -hmm. and just worked with a ton of people and he does a pretty good podcast if i mean it's weird and it's like super long form so you know 
I gathered that what he'll do is sit down with someone for like four hours mm -hmm. and then they take some of it, you know, right. and make an actual podcast. Pick out the best bits. Yeah. Which I was like, I bet this is how he produces records too. He's like, let's <laughs> record four times as much as we need. And But anyway, it's kind of a book about creativity and sort of how different people access creative forces and whatever. Mm -hmm. and uh, bring their creativity to bear on things. And I'm always interested in those sorts of books. And I think it's because they never seem to get it right for me. Mm. But I still think it's interesting. The attempt to like quantify how creativity works, yeah. I find entertaining. Because I'm just like, this seems impossible. The more of them I read, the more I think it's impossible to like... Well, it kind of seems do. like the like something that would be different for every individual, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, like when he's talking about rappers, right? He's like Eminem always has a notebook and he's just always writing things down and then he'll like refer to it later and come back and combine different things and kind of use it like a buffet or whatever. And he's like Jay-Z just comes in and listens to the beat for a while and then just starts saying things. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's like so very different style of doing things yeah so yeah I, i'm curious to see what's in there and just curious to see you know somebody else's take like i've just read a lot of those things like yeah trying to think some famous ones like david lynch had one about creativity which i thought was gonna be really good because he's weird yeah <laughs> but it was really weird it turned out so i shouldn't have been surprised yeah but there you go didn't Neil Gaiman have one? Neil Gaiman, yeah, he had one like that. A lot of people have done their various, like, yeah. the essence of creativity books. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just curious to see what this one's all about. Cool. All right, my next book is Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. And she had her debut book this year uh, called The Hacienda, and it has already been optioned for a series by a streaming platform. So it did really well. I have not yet read it, but it's on my radar. And this one actually sounds like it might be closer to my jam. It's basically vampires versus vaqueros on the front lines of the Mexican-American <laughs> War. <laughs> okay. So that's pretty exciting. Um, the ma main character is a healer and they're... So she was like childhood sweethearts with this guy who's part of the Mexican cavalry and he was a cowboy before the war and they are reunited after a long separation. He thought she was dead. She thought he abandoned her. Um, and then they have to face down vampires while also living through the Mexican American war. Nice. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Are the vampires fighting on one side or the other of this war or are they just kind of like a third? Well, Keeping in mind that I haven't read it, it doesn't oh, yeah. sound like it. Keeping in mind it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like they're just out there um, causing havoc. Fair enough. Yeah, as vampires are wont to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, my next one is called Where Are Your Boys Tonight? The Oral History of Emo's Mainstream Explosion 1999 to 2008. Whoa. By Chris Payne. That is a title. Megan, I have $10 for you if you can tell me which band Where Are Your Boys Tonight is referencing. I'm sorry. I'm, I fail. The answer is Fallout Boy. Yeah. We were looking for Fallout Boy. <laughs> um, well, it was nice being here. Um, I had a good run. So 1999 to 2008 would have been when I was like in my late teens, early 20s. Were you a is, Fall Out Boy listener? Oh my God, yeah. I listened to all the emo music. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm like still kind of waiting for emo to be cool again. Because I don't <laughs> think we've arrived there yet. I think it'll happen. I think... Everything comes around again. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of like, I think... You know, a thing I sort of make fun of these days is, like, the cultural reevaluation of everything. Yeah. Because, you know, at some point, everyone's going to, has to be like, you know, Britney Spears is actually a, a legit artist, you know, and, like, right. boy bands are a legit artist. And I think that's, 
about where we are of cultural reevaluation. So we're still maybe another five years from emo. Okay. But we'll get there. You know, you can usher it in. Be, be proud. Be fearless. I, you know, I'm pretty, uh, pretty proud of it. I mean, I think there was a lot of good music at the time that got sort of uh, pushed to the side because yeah. it's like not as, it's not as awesome as metal in the way of like, I don't know, it's not as hardcore sounding. Right. I mean, all the guys singing sounded like, you know, little, a little bit like a chipmunk sped up effect or something. <laughs> like they kind of had a little bit of a weird aesthetic that way. And, you know, they were a little bit more, um, uh, I'll call a mixture of like longing and pathetic as opposed to being like the 80s metal version, which is like girls, girls, girls and whatever. Right. Um, the emo version was more like this one girl <laughs> I really <laughs> like who does not like me at all. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm just really curious to see what that's all about. And like, I do like books that are in oral history. Mm -hmm. So if you've never read one in oral histories, usually a series of interviews. Yeah. So it'll be organized around a topic. Like, let's say, organized around a chapter about My Chemical Romance. And they'll maybe have a couple sentences from someone in the band and then somebody who's like a rock critic at the time right. and somebody from this other band outside of emo or yeah. something. And then their know. manager. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of like blends into a narrative. Yeah. Um, so that's an intriguing way to read it. Yeah. And I'm just curious to find out about stuff. I kind of hope it doesn't like ruin it for me. Mm. That's my one hesitation because I'm like, oh, what if everyone involved in this is a jerk? But that's the thing with when you're dealing with famous people, it's like it's a toss up. Do you stay in blissful ignorance or yeah. risk that they might be terrible? Yeah. And it was like that was the one thing I think 80s metal really figured out because <laughs> they were like being kind of jerks is sort of our thing. Yeah. Um, and so they got away with a lot of that stuff. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was some guy. It's from a pretty big band. Like, I don't know. It could have been Led Zeppelin, but maybe it was like Motley Crue or something. Yeah. And he would give, uh, people would ask him for cocaine and he would give them heroin. And, you know, this was like a, a fun gag, quote unquote, that he was doing. And I was like, can you imagine if somebody did that today? Like, that would be, everyone would be like, so this guy's getting arrested, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> this is not... I mean, that's my gut instinct. Like, <laughs> yeah. to and you get know, this guy off the streets at the time. Yeah, he's a menace. Yeah, <laughs> forget that Spider Man. Get me pictures of <laughs> this guy giving people heroin. Anyway, I don't think I'll find that out because, you know, over the last like however many years, there have been a couple people from the emo scene who have been outed as not being so hot. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm guessing I'm mostly aware of that. Okay. But uh, anyway, I'll probably risk it. Yeah. You'll at least get some interesting stories. I feel like I will. Yeah. I, I am curious, too, about how sort of like what touring and stuff was like at that time. Yeah. And it's such an interesting time in music because it's like post-Napster world. Right. But it's not like full-on. Streaming. Yeah. No one's ever buying an album again. Right. So it's kind of like in that weird transition phase. Yeah. And like a lot of those bands experienced both. Yeah. You know, and they're probably the one generation of bands that have done it both ways. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. My number seven is Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne, which is out in January. Um, she's another romance author, and I have loved her ever since I read um, a self-published series that she wrote called The Chance of a Lifetime. And uh, it's about three friends who um, bought a lottery ticket together, and they won, and they ended up splitting it three ways. And so it's three different books about their three different experiences. Mm. And they won, like, enough to change their lives, but not enough to, like, they're going to be rich forever, which I thought was a nice middle ground hit. Um, but they're great. And then she wrote a book called Love Lettering, which uh, landed her on the bestseller lists. And I loved that one, too. 
She's great. So this is her new book. Um, and the main character, Georgie, is a personal assistant. And her entire life has been revolving around what other people want and what they need. And, and now she's back home. Uh, she's out of a job. And she finds a diary filled with her younger self's dreams for the future and decides to try some of the ideas in the hopes of kind of finding a new path for herself. And she ends up getting help from a grumpy, unexpected roommate because the romance <laughs> novel. So, of course, she does. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. <laughs> I like that. Grumpy roommate. Grumpy sunshine. That needs Classic to Classic pairing. <laughs> All right. I have next a book called Don't Tell Anybody the Secrets I Told You is a memoir by Lucinda Williams, who is like a, I would call her a sort of country southern rock artist. Uh, my mom would call her a blues artist because my mom would never want to admit that she listens to country music. <laughs> Um, but that's why I'm excited about this book. So she's a really talented singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. But I'm most excited about this book because I know what I'm getting my mom for her birthday. Oh, very nice. Moms are impossible to shop for. <laughs> and, like, my mom is the worst of the impossible moms to shop for. Like, she'll... I, it's impossible. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't need anything. Or she'll get be like, oh, get me uh, these filters for my vacuum. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not getting you vacuum filters. <laughs> I cost $10. You have $10. Also, no, just no. Yeah. So now I've got a thing to get her. All right. Um, that she can enjoy. So that's the entire reason that's on this list. But okay. Are you interested in reading it too or just no. because? Okay. I mean, I'm not disinterested. I'm just not like that big a fan. Right. Um, but you saw it and you had a little thrill of excitement. Yes. Nice. But I mean, people who are into like, uh, Southern rock music and that kind of thing, I think would really enjoy this book. Mm -hmm. I have suspicion it'll be pretty good. She's like a pretty good songwriter and, yeah. you know, writes the kind of story songs or songs that you're like. The traditional would, country. Yeah. It would lead me to believe Narrative. that she could write a, a very, uh, readable book. Cool. So there you go, Lucinda Williams. All right. Putting this in my memory for... <laughs> Your mom doesn't listen, does she? I have no idea. Well, if so, um, happy birthday early. Yeah. Guess what you're getting. Don't buy it because <laughs> I'm getting it for you. Hopefully it comes out before your birthday. Oh, yeah, because you didn't check. It's in August, so the odds oh, okay. are in my favor. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. My next book is called Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes, and that is not out until September. So I've got a bit of a wait on this one. Um, but it feels to me, based on what I've seen, like it's going to be in the tradition of books like Circe by Madeline Miller, um, which was really big, or Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. Um, I think she also wrote a book called Electra. So it's these like modern revisitings of Greek mythology with a bit of a feminist bent. And this one is a retelling of Medusa kind of re-examining how Medusa, how and why she was punished by Athena and, you know, why she was turned into a Gorgon, her life of isolation, and then going into Perseus's quest to uh, claim her head. Mm. Um, so, like, it's it feels to me almost like Wicked was, like, let's revisit the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, and see it from her perspective. This feels like the same thing with Medusa. Nice. So I'm excited to read that. I really get into mythology. So you were just before we started recording, I think we're saying you watched Wednesday. Yeah. There was a, I saw just a snippet of one of the episodes where it was like a police officer was coming to this, you know, school for weirdos mm -hmm. and was in like the headmaster's office or whatever. And the headmaster's like, I don't know why you're so convinced weird things are happening here. <laughs> In the background of this entire scene is a giant fireplace that looks like Medusa's head yep. and her mouth is where the fire is. Yep. And I was like, if you're trying to convince this police officer that this is not a place for weirdos, I think you picked the worst room <laughs> in the entire, you know, you've got this weird gothic office with this horrifying fireplace. I mean, to be fair, the entire school is like that. I know. I was like, you guys need to build one room that's like a normal <laughs> office for like an elementary school or whatever. And then that way, when the cops come, you can be like, take him to 
the office, wink, wink. The, uh, the yeah. office. Where he can be super bored and be like, all right, there's nothing <laughs> happening here. It's all beige. and yeah. <laughs> uh, Drop ceiling, you know, and whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you have this enormous, I mean, it's such a big fireplace. You could walk into it standing up yeah. without having to duck. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there are Gorgons in that school, so. I know. I was just waiting for the cop guy sense. to gesture and be like, I mean, am I really out of line for thinking <laughs> that weird things are happening here? You're not exactly helping your case. <laughs> All right. My next one is called The Deep Sky, and I'm going to do my best on the name. Uh, Yumi Katase. Uh, I think she's Japanese-American. Okay. So... Um, it's a space story. A bunch of people are on a spaceship uh, going to do a thing to, ch to save the Earth because the Earth is doomed. They're going to do something to, I don't know, find another planet, right. find some source of energy, something. Okay. A bomb explodes on the ship. Oh. And uh, I think kills some of the crew. And then no one knows who set the bomb on the ship. And apparently there's been some discord among the crew members. And so our main character is actually the prime suspect mm. and she didn't do it, but she's got to try and figure out who did because as people are accusing each other and whatever, things are like deteriorating quickly. Right. And so she's trying to figure out uh, who set the bomb and why and what's going on. Try to salvage the situation. Yeah. Salvage the situation and thereby save the earth. Right. So, you know, there's some pluses here. <laughs> no pressure. Right. Low stakes. Yeah. Um, I always like a space story. Yeah. I feel like that adds, uh, you know, some intrigue and some, you know, interesting things into it. And it's kind of becomes like a, a mystery in a bottle. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like the locked room mystery. Yeah. Because you're like, well, it's not going to be unless they do some weird thing where it's like Mr. Mitchell Pitlick came out of space and <laughs> did that or whatever. I'm sorry. Who? Uh, he's like a little guy in like a weird, uh, top hat who would come and harass Superman all the time. And because his powers are based in magic, Superman couldn't really stop him. The only way to get rid of him is to get him to say his name backwards, which Superman manages to do quite often and is surprising because, yeah. Huh. Yep. The, the things in your brain about comics. They're just... There are things that are in there, and then when I say them out loud, I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, how? Okay. And what's really weird about them, not to get it too far off on it, but, like, most of the comics from that era were made up by, like, you know, uh, ad men. You know what I mean? Like, mad men guys who yeah. left Pan Am and went to DC Comics. They're like, I don't know. What do kids like? Let's just have this weird guy show up and he, you know, does magic <laughs> stuff. And then you say his name backwards and that banishes him to his home dimension. <laughs> You'll get no judgment from me. We just had a long discussion about the theoretical physicist slash fake girlfriend who uh, ends up, you know, in a, a whole push-pull relationship with a, an actual physicist at MIT. That's true. Yeah. Maybe I should email uh, that author and be like, I got an idea for you, like... You know, it's a, it's like a Stanley Jack Kirby story, but it's like their grandkids meet and they fall in love, but then they discover that you know they had their grandparents had these vastly different views on mm. what comic books should be like. Yeah, she seems pretty dedicated to STEM settings. It could be adjacent. How does she feel about uh, psychic monkeys? <laughs> Psychic, you know, it doesn't or, feel like it's quite, you know, in her avenue. Immortal ape detectives that live in a special <laughs> bar between dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready for your next All right. one. Uh, so my next one is called The Davenports by Crystal Marquis, which is out in January. It's a historical romance aimed at a teen audience uh, but it has the most beautiful, cheerful, butter yellow cover I've ever seen, and I can't resist it. Um, so it's a historical romance inspired by a real family called the Pattersons. Uh, it's set in 1910. Um, 
the, so it's instead of the Pattersons, it's the Davenports. Uh, the father, William Davenport, was a former slave who made his fortune by founding a carriage company. And now his two daughters are, you know, they're living this elite lifestyle. They have a fortune. They have, you know, status. And they're facing decisions about life and marriage and suitable partners. And it gets super complicated because, like, the oldest is being courted by this very suitable society guy, but she is having her head turned by like a, a civil rights worker. Meanwhile, her younger sister is actually enjoying her, her, her sister's suitor. Like she actually likes him and would be interested in him. And they have two friends and it all gets very complicated. Hmm. <laughs> um, but it sounds like a really good kind of it's, it's an era of history you don't see a lot of, especially in YA. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm intrigued to give it a try. Nice. And it's one of those cases where, you know, a beautiful cover can sell a book. I was just thinking, like, I don't know why I've never thought of this before, but you should look into the research of, like, which colors make people want to spend money? Just yeah. anytime I make a book cover for something, I'll be like, that's the color. I don't care <laughs> what else happens. It's going to be well, that color. Yellow is not usually one of my colors, but I don't know the design of this cover. It's just really beautiful. Hmm. Maybe it's just a nice cover. Maybe the colors can be. Maybe, yeah. Just really good design. <laughs> That'd be unfortunate. I want to cheat the system. <laughs> or like, maybe I need to make a book with a cover, but then embossed on it but not outlined in color. So you can't really see it. It just says like, buy this. <laughs> so if you touch it, you can feel Subliminal. it. Subliminal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, this is my last one. Okay. It's The Survivalists by Kashana Kali. Okay. This is about a single black female lawyer who gets involved with this guy who's sort of like a coffee industry tech bro or something like that. Okay. So he's got a bunch of money from like hipster coffee nonsense. Okay. And um, she gets romantically involved with him. And then turns out that his, I think, roommate or friend or whatever is kind of bringing him into the world of doomsday prepping. <laughs> um, and then so she starts sort of also kind of getting into it, like finds herself sliding into it and then doing things she never thought she would be doing, like um, buying unregistered guns, you know, and stuff like that. So, and, like, for real, not just, like, yeah. six months' worth of toilet paper stashed under the stairs. Yeah, I think that, too. But then, like, you know, it kind <laughs> of, like, the situation gets worse yeah. and worse. Um, so, anyway, she kind of ends up embroiled in this world that she never thought she was going to be in. And it's, uh, the author was like a writer for The Daily Show okay. and uh, Pod Save America and a couple other All things right. like so that. So probably going to be funny. It's supposed to be darkly funny. Okay. Which I'm cautious of because sometimes there's some books that people write and review and say are funny. But I'm like, I think you just didn't know what to say about this book. The classic example I always go to is Roxanne Gay's Bad Feminist. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you about that one. Which I'm like, I mean, I found it interesting that she kind of compared her uh, sexual assault to the Hunger Games, you know, and like wove those things together in right. an interesting way. I don't know if funny is the yeah. like anywhere near what I would call it. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't. I don't think she meant it to be funny. Right. Um, anyway, so I was a little nervous, but then when I saw that, like, she wrote for The Daily Show and stuff, I was like, all right, this is probably legitimately funny. And I'm kind of up for a legitimately funny book about somebody who sort of accidentally finds themselves disillusioned <laughs> with their life and starts doomsday prepping. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. There you go. All right. So my final title is The Handyman Method by Nick Cutter, uh, which uh, is out in August. I know. Uh -huh. I love Nick Cutter. Me He's too. maybe my favorite horror writer. 
Um, and he hasn't had a new book out since Little Heaven, which was 2017. That was a while ago. Yeah, it's been a minute. So we finally have a new book coming out from Nick Cutter. Details are still a little thin because it's not out until August. Um, but it looks like it's going to be a haunted house story mixed with the perils of home improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, so he always writes really smart and brutal horror and it pulls no punches, but never feels gratuitous in my opinion. And so I can't wait to read it. Nice. Yeah. Me too now. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I bet I have a friend who also loves Nick Cutter and I texted her today. I was like, Nick Cutter has a book coming out in August. And she texted me back and said, I just got good book thrill. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> Like, I always want these authors to take their time. But then when it gets to be like five years, you're like, dude, come on. Yeah, well, and you know, Nick Cutter is a a pen name. He writes literary fiction under another name. Craig Davidson. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And so he's probably been publishing under his his real name. But could be. I don't care about that. I want Nick Cutter books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just finally this year read The Deep, which was pretty good. Oh, yeah, I like that one. I think that's being turned into something. Oh, really? Yeah. That would be a good one to make into a movie because you don't need like, you know, what's nice about making a submarine type movie is like, you just need a couple hallways and you're good to go. The claustrophobia is a big part of it. Yeah. Dark, narrow hallways. Yeah. Pressure. Yeah. It was definitely like fits into that, the abyss, the uh, Leviathan, and there's a third one that goes in that triumvirate. But uh, yeah, very good. So that was my first book by him, and I loved it. I read The Troop first. That was pretty amazing. It was super gross, which helped me big time. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a thing about parasites, maybe don't read The Troop. Yeah, or do, because it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. That was 20 books. 20 books. Coming out in 2023. We should have done 23. We are so stupid. We're dumb. We didn't plan ahead. Um, all right. Well, we blew it. <laughs> we blew it. Imagine we had three other books to talk about. Just, yeah. yeah. Picture in your mind. You know, fill in the blank. Yeah. We left three spaces blank for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to fill up your reading list completely. Right. You got to leave some room for air. But you are now obligated to read these 20 <laughs> next Ooh. year, just as a heads up. Okay, wow. Since, since you listened. That seems like a big ask. I know. It's not an ask, it's a demand. <laughs> <laughs> Let's alienate everybody who's listening. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>